0: if this is the day that he's made, but there's always something in this day. We don't look at the things of the natural, we look at what God is doing. And so we always pray that God gives us eyes to see what he's doing. Because the natural eyes see what is going on around us, but the spiritual eyes see what God is doing in the midst of what's going on around us. He's doing some great things. It's a day that he's made. We get to rejoice and be glad in it. Amen. Praise the Lord. We're looking somebody next to you say, life of God dwells in me and the life of God dwells in you. Therefore you have victory in every situation, under every circumstance and in every place. And your victory releases a fragrance of the knowledge of God everywhere you go. Praise the Lord. You can be seated. Once again, it's good to be with you. Uh, I believe that God's ordained for us to walk in victory. Whether we feel like it or not, whether things are taking place in, around us or not, God has victory in store for you. And, uh, you know, as we celebrated Easter last week and we began to talk about... Uh, The resurrection of Jesus Christ what happened from the cross to the throne and we really ended with Jesus is right now at the right hand of God the father he's ever living to make intercession for you in other words he's he's there he's got a hold of everything that concerns God he's got a hold of everything that concerns you and he's pulling and reconciling whatever God has whatever has happened in your life he's reconciling it together and we begin to look at that and we begin to understand that he calls that Resurrection life, right? Because the old man is dead because of sin, but the new man is alive unto God because of Jesus Christ so Paul said this he said uh, uh, in in Philippians he said I know a lot of things I'm paraphrasing now he says I've got a great education I've been a Pharisee among Pharisees I'm, I'm a doctor of the law everything that there was to achieve I sought to achieve but when I ran into Jesus on the road to Damascus my my status my education and all that really didn't mean near as much as meeting him he said right now, he said he, 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 didn't, he doesn't discount all of his education, but listen to this. He said, compared to knowing him. He didn't say forget getting educated, forget all that. He said, but I've, had, I've reached the highest of the highest that I could reach. And in comparison to knowing Jesus, it's nothing. It's but dung. He said, so I've set my quest in life. You know, Pastor Mark Hankins, when he was here, he said that uh, they've determined that a quest is something that takes 21 years. Paul said, I make it my aim or my quest in life to know him and the power of his resurrection. The power of his resurrection, he said, and the fellowship of his sufferings. He said, if, if, if my flesh suffers any, that's okay. Because if I have the fellowship of his suffering, if by any means I attain to the suffering, I will attain to the resurrection of the dead. In other words, I, if, I, if I go through the cross, I will come. If I go through the suffering of the cross with him, I will come to the point of the resurrection life that he has. So Paul said in Galatians 2.20, he said, "Uh, uh, I've been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet it's not I that lives, but Christ that lives on the inside of me. And the life that I now live, I live by faith in the son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Paul was primed on understanding the power of Christ's resurrection. So we're going we're to continue uh, to pick up on that, that theme. But I want to, uh, you know, with all the things that are going on in the world today and talk about science and doctors and everything. So a friend of mine sent me this, you know, so we, we wanted to ask the doctors this. So this is the question. It's a question and answer from the doctors. It says, Dr., I've heard that cardiovascular exercise can prolong life. Is that true? The doctor says the heart is only good for so many beats. And that's it. Don't waste your life on exercise. Everything wears out eventually. Speeding up your heart cannot make you live longer. It's like saying... You extend the life of your car by driving faster. Want to live longer? Take a nap. Come on, Come on just follow the science. <laughs> and then open your Bibles with me uh, to 1 Peter. You don't have that there, Caleb. Just hang on with me for a few moments. First Peter chapter 1. And we're going to jump in at verse 5 and uh, begin to break down some things. I believe it's very important for us to begin to understand not only when we talk about resurrection life... So often as believers, and some of this might sound elementary to you, but let the Spirit of God really begin to work with you. If you say, well, you know, I've, I've known Jesus for 60 years. Right now I believe we're in a day of bathing in some things. I believe that we're in a day, you know, as in Genesis says that Isaac, uh, as he began to understand covenant in the midst of a, a drought, in the midst of troublesome situations, he began to realize the covenant that he had. And he went and began to unstop some old wells of Abraham And guess what? They still had water in them. And they flowed in the midst of drought. And so I believe it's time to to return to some things, expound upon some things, to draw up from some things that if you let your mind, your emotions go, oh, I already know that. But I believe there's revelation knowledge in some things that we'll talk about concerning the resurrection and concerning your salvation. Everybody say "Salvation." salvation. Come on. To expand our salvation. And so often as Christians, we're so focused on what we got saved from. Which, thank God, we need to know that we got saved from sin. Sin no longer has any dominion over you. The Bible says that in Romans chapter 6, explaining the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. He says this sin, everybody say sin. Sin. No longer longer. has has dominion over me. Come on. When we understand that, we start putting our foot down. When those old habits and old thoughts and old mindsets try to come and mess with us and get a hook in us, we can put our foot down and say, wait a minute, I've been raised with Christ. I've been saved from the destruction of this. You no longer have dominion here, right? Because Jesus has dominion. And so in 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 3, we're going to read a little bit here. It says, blessed be the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Come on, he's begotten us or he's brought us forth into a living hope, not a hope for something after we're dead. See, so often in Christianity, we're like, well, we'll just suffer through the wind and the cold and the rain and this life, but our expectation is in the life to come. Jesus said our expectation, our hope is being alive in Christ, not after you leave this body, but the moment that you receive Jesus Christ and you're saved and you enter into resurrection life, there should be a living, confident, cheerful expectation of new life to be lived. Come on. He's brought us forth into a living hope, not a dead hope, but a living hope in Jesus Christ. Verse 4, it says, to, the, uh, to an inheritance incorruptible, undefiled, that does not fade away, reserved for you in heaven. God's got some heavenly things that he wants to bring to earth that have your name on it. Come on. Jesus' blood purchased some stuff for you in heaven. And put your name on it. God saw you. He ordained you. He had a plan for you. Whether you knew it or not, he knows the beginning from the end. He's the Alpha, the Omega, right? He saw it before you were even there. When we dedicate our children to the Lord, we go back to the Scripture where he talks about Jeremiah and says, Before you were formed in your mother's womb, I knew you. And I called you to be a prophet to the nations. Paul said, before I was born, my God knew me and called me. Come on, there's a lot in this that we need to understand about conception and the plan of God and standing for babies being born, not getting caught up in the course of this world. There's things that God had for you planned at conception, ready before you were ever formed for you to take place in. And Jesus purchased by his own blood things that you would need, things to equip you, to to impart to you as you go through that and understand that it's reserved for you in heaven. And we just call upon that in prayer. There's things that Jesus purchased for you that we go to God and we just say, you know what, I'm laying claim to this. I believe that it was purchased by his blood, and I'm going and I'm laying claim to it. On, if I went down uh, to the Ford dealership tomorrow and decided to buy Alan a truck, he's in favor, <laughs> right? But I just went down there and, and I said, you know what, I want? I want the package, I want it loaded, he, he has horses, I want it to be able to tow that horse trailer, just tell me what the best of the best is. And they tell me and I said, all right, I'm going to pay for it, I'll write the check right here, i pay for it. If I call Alan and I say, listen, I've already paid for it. And it's reserved for you at the Ford dealership. And I want you to enjoy it right now. Right? So he can go down to that Ford dealership and he can say, listen, I believe there's a Ford here reserved in my name. And it'll be right there for him. See, Jesus purchased stuff for us and brought us into a living hope and has things reserved for us, heavenly realities. He didn't say, wait till you get to heaven. He said, declare thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In order to have his will done on earth as it is in heaven, we have to pull some heavenly realities down into our life right now. Come on. come on. He's like, what do you have need of? What do you have need of? I've already purchased it by my own precious blood. Yeah. So well, I don't know if I can have that. I, I've made some mistakes. I don't know if I can have that. Uh, I haven't done enough. I haven't been to church enough. He said, listen, I'm not asking you to pay for it. What I'm asking you to do is go pray and ask God and say, is it, it's there for me. I see it in the Word. It's there for me. And he says, right here it is with your name on it. Here you go. Come on, Come on because we were saved unto a living hope. We were saved unto something for right here, right now, to accomplish. God has something for you to accomplish, and he didn't say, go, give it your best, and when you can't do it, uh, you know, well, no, you tried hard enough. No, he said, I've given you something to do, and I've also purchased everything that you need to do it. And so if you decide you're going to do it, and you realize what you need to do it, just go to that place in prayer and say, God, I'm coming to receive what Jesus purchased on the cross for me that I need to accomplish your will. Praise the Lord. So it says, it's reserved for you in heaven, verse 5, who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. Well, I believe we're in the last time. I believe we're in the last of the last days. If you look at the signs of the last days, we're pretty much immersed in the signs of the last days. And so he said, listen, God's been keeping you. God's been guarding you. God's been watching over you, right? If you have faith in God, he's been watching over you. He's been keeping you by his own power through faith in him for your salvation, ready to be revealed in the last days. In other words, there's something more about your salvation than you going to heaven. There's something about salvation that is to be revealed to others through us. We're not just saved from something, but we're saved to something. We're brought into that place that he has for us. Verse 6, it says, in this you greatly rejoice. Though uh, now for a little while, if needed, you have been grieved with various trials. I know that doesn't apply to anybody here. Right? He says, I got all this good news for you, but you know what? If need be, there's going to be some trials. Just go ahead and go through the trials. Don't collapse in the midst of the trial. The trial is there to try to get you to quit, to get you to throw up your hands, to get you to say, well, the pre- preacher said that it was reserved for me in heaven, but I'm not getting any of it, and so I just give up. No, the trial is right there for you to say, I have faith in God. The blood of Jesus purchased it. You don't have dominion in my house any longer, and so I'm just going to go ahead and go through the things and come out the other side ready to partake of my inheritance. For this reason, verse 7, that the genuineness of your faith. Woo! Come on, how many of you want pure, genuine faith? Come on. None of us want faux faith. <laughs> None of us want faux faith, fake faith, right? <laughs> See, how do you know? How do you know you got genuine faith? Because it gets tested. Sometimes we think, well, if we have faith, there's no test. No, when you have faith, when you've put your foot down and say, I believe God, there'll be a test. There'll be a test of obedience, there'll be a test of trial. The enemy will bring a trial, and God will say, just go ahead and obey me. And when you endure the trial and obey God, you come out the other side, and he says, man, you got some pretty genuine faith here, right? It's the real deal. How many of you want to know you got the real deal? Come on, on, God wants to know we got the real deal. You want to know you got the real deal? And so there's going to be some trials, if need be. Why? To show you got the real deal. Come on, people go, they 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 get a diamond, you know. Somebody gives them a diamond, they look at it and they're like, you know, I'm not sure about this. The person that gave me that's a little shady. <laughs> so what do they do? They take it to the jewelry store. The guy gets his little thing out there, puts it on the black, you know, and it's sparkling like anything, and he's like, Well, it's sparkly. But this is cubic zirconium. I mean, it looks expensive but it's worthless. If you want to cash this in, you won't get anything for it because it's not the real deal, right? It's proven. People have looked at it. We want to have genuine faith because when the enemy comes, we want to say, I believe God. And when he looks, man, this is the real deal. This is shining like pure gold. This is sparkling like a real diamond. You've been cut in some places, Come on, you've been been trimmed down in some areas, you've been sculpted in some areas, and you're starting to look just like Jesus. This is the real deal. Come Come on, but you're just a lump of stone right now. And he starts chipping away. He starts sculpting away. And all of a sudden it breaks off this piece and that piece, and you start becoming recognizable. Your faith becomes recognizable. You know, when you have genuine faith, it's recognizable. Those four guys in Luke chapter 5, you know, it said the power of God was present in the room. And all the religious people are asking questions. Well, what about this? And what about that? And if you're the son of God, what about this? And these four guys rip the roof off. And they begin to lower their friend down on a stretcher. And what does it say? Jesus is in there talking to them. That pulls the roof off. And they begin to lower that guy down. And it says, Jesus saw their faith. He saw their faith. Sometimes it takes a trial. They could have said, you know what? It's crowded. We can't get in. Jesus probably doesn't care about us. Let's just take our friend back and he'll probably die this way. Nobody cares. They just said, hmm, we believe our friend's healing is in that house. And these people ain't going to let us in the house, but there's got to be a way to get to him. Come on, some way, he's the one, there's got to be a way to get to him. Sometimes the genuineness of your faith means we're, we're not going in the conventional way, we're going in, we're pulling the roof off. He says that's when you know it's genuine, when you're ready to go a little bit tougher. When you're ready to go the extra mile, when you believe enough that it doesn't matter what you see or how you feel, you know what Jesus did for you is right there for you to experience, and you begin to pull it off. Well, I thought I wasn't supposed to have any trials. No, in the midst of trials, you know who the answer is and what the answer is. All right, this isn't even my message yet. I'm just a little bit excited. All right, that the genuineness of faith being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it be tested by fire, may be found to the praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. In other words, when you see Him, John said this that as you're uh, perfecting your faith, so to speak, as you're going through a trial and you realize, whoo, God shows up every time. I never quit, He never quit, we're joined together. And it's doing something on the inside of me. It's changing. The more I walk in faith, the more it changes me. And John said this, that, that, that we don't yet know what we're going to be like, but we know that when we see him, we're going to be like him. So as we continue to develop, as we continue to go through trials believing God, our faith is becoming more precious than gold. It's being purified that at the revelation of Jesus Christ, we're going to go, I look a lot more like you than I thought I did come on, I look a lot more like Jesus than I thought I did. Why? Because we've gone through some things with him. We've gone through some things with him. When you go through some things with him, you begin to listen. You begin to act like him. You begin to respond like him. You begin to talk like him. That's why he said, you know what? If you feel like you're wearing out, I'm paraphrasing now. He says, you feel like you're wearing out. You're dragging life's burdens along with you. You're dragging your family's cares, your kids' cares, your parents' cares, your your jobs' cares, your financial cares, the government cares, everything cares. And you're dragging them along thinking, man, I don't know if I can go another day. I'm, I'm wearing out. Just seems so rough. He said, come to me. You don't have to pull all that stuff. Come to me. I care about you. He said, I'll take your burden and your load off of you. He said, that thing that the devil yoked you to, that sickness, that care, that anxiety, that stress, that worry about situations, that worry about finances, that worry about whether your kids are going to come back to God or not, all that worry, that worry about your marriage, whether it's going to work out or not. He said, go ahead. I'll take all of that. I've taken that all upon myself on the cross. Let me unhook you from that yoke. He said, and then I'll yoke you to me. And my burden is light and my yoke is easy. He said, come to me and learn from me. Yes. Come on, church. I believe like never before, it's time to walk with him and learn from him. Yes. You know, there's that old uh, 80s. You know, they, they, maybe they still make the bracelets and stuff. What would Jesus do? It became popular. But, you know, some, some of these things come out that we just need to get in our heart. We need to know that we're led by the Spirit of God. The spirit of Jesus himself lives in us, and when we go with him and are yoked to him, we say, what would you do? How should I respond right here? And he says, listen, we'll, we'll walk through this together, and you'll find out the power of God and the grace of God makes something easier than you ever thought it could be. When the grace of God, the empowerment of God, the influence of God, the favor of God rests upon your life, it is something that used to be so hard that is not near as hard as it used to be. You look at it, and you know this should be hard. But it's not near as hard as it should be or it used to be. People are looking at you going, wow, that must be hard. And you're trying to figure out how to explain because you don't want to sound haughty or cocky. You're just thinking, well, it ain't quite that hard. It's not as hard as I thought it would be. Yeah, it's hard. My emotions are, are taking a beating. My mind is trying to reel on me, but I've tapped into something deeper. I'm walking and I'm learning from him. Because, you know, he's not shook up about it. That's what bothers us sometimes. Come on, God, you got to be shook up. This is something. And God's not bothered by it. We get like those disciples in the boat. You just don't care, God. You just don't care. You're not listening. You're sleeping in the back of the boat. He's like, just give me some time. I said, we're going to the other side. And when we get to the other side, I wake up. He did not not care. He just said the best way to get to the other side is to relax. Y'all are way too stressed about this storm that you're going through. Come on, I'm not diminishing what you're going through. What I'm trying to do is exalt the power of God. Come on, the enemy comes with some stuff that humanly you cannot overcome it. Mentally, you can't take it. Emotionally, it'll wear you out. That's why he said learn from me. He said, I've been through it all. I've been tempted like as you are yet without sin. I've had people hate me. I've had people cut me off. I've had the best of the best of my friends walk away from me. He said, I've seen everything that you're going to see, and I've seen the cross. He said, literally, you think you've gone through hell? He said, you haven't. I've actually gone through hell and back, and I'm seated at the right hand of majesty on high. So listen, I can tell you what going through hell is like, and you're not there yet. And trust me, and you'll never go there. Come on. He saved us unto something that's extraordinary. Come on, the devil's going to try to convince you that your trial is too much. He said, but if need be, we'll get some things going, and we'll get on the other side of this. And he said, when your faith is more precious than gold, it brings praise and glory and honor to God. And when you see Jesus, when the revelation of Jesus is there, you find out you're like him. Verse 8, it says, whom having not seen, you love. Though now you do not see him, yet believing, you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory. Which is why we're not quite there yet, and we're going to keep talking about our salvation. (laughs) Because if this is joy inexpressible and full of glory, (laughs) we we have some work to do, right? He's just saying that you've gone through some stuff, but your faith is in Jesus, and though you haven't seen him, you believe in everything that he's done for you. And when you grasp everything he's done for you, there's a joy that starts to come from the inside out. Come on, the world will try to get you down. The devil will try to say, listen, you should be super sad. And you're like, I can't be sad. Because the spirit of God's working joy on the inside of me. Oh, no, but you should be sad. Because the devil's trying to figure, you know, the devil knows he's seeking whom he may devour. Hope I get to my message today. He's seeking (laughs) whom he may devour. So in other words, he just throws some thoughts out there. He throws some circumstance out there. And then he's just standing back to see how you respond. Come on. He's just waiting to see how you respond. And when you start to respond with joy, you freeze him. If you've been here for a long time, but I got this revelation. I was watching football one time. And some of you uh, young people may not know him, but you know, Mike Singletary, he played for the Chicago Bears. He's a middle linebacker, super intense guy. I can't understand how anybody can be that intense, but um, super intense guy. But they would always, you know, they would show him, but they would talk about him and how intense he was and why the play action pass worked on him. Because he was so intense. He's watching and, and you fake the ball and it what, does what? It freezes the linebacker. Just long enough that you can get that guy in the open. See, he doesn't know if it's a run or a pass, so when you fake the run, he has to wait to make sure that running back doesn't have the ball. So the enemy, he thinks he's got you. He's intently watching, and he thinks we, we, got, we got the play set up. They're going to be in this situation, and he thinks you're going to come into to, to the line for your, your day. Woe is me. Monday, Monday, can't trust that day. And when you wake up Monday morning and you go, praise the Lord, it's Monday, the beginning of a new week, the devil's like, he's froze. He doesn't know what to do. You're not supposed to be rejoicing. You're not supposed to say, woo, Jesus died for my sin. You're supposed to be saying, God Almighty, it's Monday. Where are you when I need you? When you're like, whoo, praise the Lord, I'm saved, I'm healed, I'm delivered, I'm set free, I'm made whole, I live in a generation and a day that God's created for me, not the devil. There's blessing in store in my day. The devil has no idea what to do with you. So I haven't seen nothing yet. He says right here, even though you haven't seen him, you believe. And your believing causes you to rejoice with joy inexpressible. I like that. He says, joy inexpressible and full of glory. You know that your joy gets filled up with the glory of God? I said, your joy gets filled up with the glory of God. Yes. To light your way just to have joy. Come on, we've all experienced joy and we've all experienced joy sadness. Anybody here ever had a grumpy day? (laughs) Praise the Lord. Somebody asked me the other day, did you wake up grumpy? I said, no, I let her sleep. (laughs) I'm sorry, I couldn't resist. You know that you're not grumpy having trouble getting on track, so I have to divert some way. <laughs> all right. Praise the Lord. Joy inexpressible and full of glory. We've all been there. Being down and out just doesn't help you even feel like you got light and you got life, but you start rejoicing. It picks up. It's full of the glory of God. All right. Verse nine. It says, receiving the end of your, sal- uh, the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Now listen to this. Of this salvation... The whole salvation we've been talking about. Of this salvation, the prophets had inquired and searched carefully, who prophesied of the grace that would come to you. Our salvation that we experience, that sometimes we kind of just push off as ordinary, the prophets continually sought into, sought after, wanted to understand what you and I possess. When we talk about resurrection life, we're talking about the salvation that only comes through Jesus Christ. So John chapter 3, now you're on. John chapter 3 in verse 16, it says, you're you're very familiar with this, it says, for God so loved the world. Everybody say, "God God so loved me. Say it again, God so loved me. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in Him would not perish, but would have everlasting life. And so we stop there. That's the big sign behind the goalposts at football games, and basketball games behind the goal. John 3:16. But I believe that many times we need to take it to people and take it to verse 17. That's right. Because so many people think God is up there looking to judge them and bring them down and condemn them to hell. But it says this, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. But he sent his son into the world that through him the world might be saved. See, God's not looking to hold your sin against you. God's looking for you to believe that he actually paid for your sin and you repent and he saves you from hell, not sends you to hell. But we just think, well, he loved me so much, but now if I don't act just right, then I might go to hell. But when we start to understand, when he saved me, his intention was to bring me out of everything that the devil tried to do to destroy my life and to keep me from God. He broke the power of all of that. Join me to himself. Come on. Joins you to himself. Now, listen, we talk about this a lot in relationship but because we're trying to understand this. But God loved you so much that when he saved you and brought you into relationship and reconciled you to himself, he didn't just say, come on, let's hang around, let's walk side by side together. He said, you're way too vulnerable out there. See, we like it when we say, well, I'll walk with you, and if I decide that I don't want to walk with you today, I'll kind of let go of your hand, and I'll walk my own way. I'll meet up with you tonight at prayer. He said, no, 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 no. You're way too vulnerable out there. So what I decided to do when you accepted me As your Lord and Savior, when you accepted that salvation, I didn't hold your hand through life. I opened up and I immersed you in myself. I put you in the cleft of the rock. I gave you ultimate protection from the strategies of the enemy. And so too many believers, don't. their faith is not that I'm in Christ. Their faith is that I'm walking with Christ every day. And if I make a mistake, I kind of drift off and I meet with, uh, up with him at my next prayer time. He said, man, the devil beats you out there on that trail out there. He said, but when you realize every day I'm in you and you're in me, you're covered. Because though there's stuff going on all around, it can't penetrate and get in you because you're in me. It's divine protection. He didn't come to condemn you. He came to save you, to protect you, to make you whole. Turn over to Hebrews chapter 7. This salvation is really the core, if we understand it, the resurrection, the power of his resurrection, or because of his resurrection, we are saved. If he just died at the cross, our sin died with him, that's great. But what do we do from there? But when he raised, salvation opened up to us. So we're going to break it down in the next couple weeks a little bit about salvation opening up to us. Because if your salvation to you is just, I prayed that prayer so when I leave this body, I can go to heaven. Thank God you're going to go to heaven, but you're missing out on a whole lot of what Jesus got for you. And he purchased it by his own precious blood. And that blood is sprinkled upon the mercy seat, not only for you to say, God, forgive me of my sin for mercy, but it says, listen, once you've come to the mercy seat and the blood is sprinkled there and you say, forgive me of my sin, the Bible says that you obtain mercy, but at that same place, you find grace to help you in your time of need. For whatever your need is, there's grace right there where the blood is sprinkled. Grace for what? Grace to live out this wonderful, valuable, precious, unending salvation that Jesus purchased by his blood. We get to live it out for all of eternity, but we get to start the day we were born again. Come on. All right. Hebrews chapter 7. Y'all with me? Hebrews chapter 7, verse 24. I'm just telling you, when I was 17 years old and I found out when I got saved, I wasn't just saved to go to heaven, I got saved to live life right here, it changed my whole perspective. I didn't live perfectly, but it gave me something to live for. He gave me something to go to church for. He gave me something to say church isn't just a place that I have to go so when I get to heaven I can say I went this many times. It's somewhere that I'm going that I'm learning about this life and this salvation that I now have through Jesus Christ. There's something teeming on the inside of me. A desire to do something that I haven't yet done. To see something I haven't yet seen. To live out of a source that I haven't yet lived out of. There was something there that was more than just going to heaven. It was living life. And he said I give you life Life, and I give you life to the overflow, and I want overflowing life. And like the Apostle Paul said, not that I have even attained yet it's so big. Come on. But I'm determined that we're going to get the past behind us, and we're going to start experiencing more of the salvation that Jesus purchased. Yes. Not ever settling. Come on, what he purchased is so vast for us. He so, well, I got saved. I got saved 20 years ago been going to church ever since enjoy the music sometimes preaching's a little long if you could get it done but i want us to say you know what i'm have got saved 20 years ago but in 2021 my salvation came alive to me more than ever before If you've been experiencing it, you experience more. If you haven't been, you've just been waiting to go to heaven. All of a sudden, it pops to life. That resurrection life through the salvation that he offered begins to shine through us. All right. Where did I say to turn to? Hebrews chapter 7, verse 24. Praise the Lord. I think we ended with this um, last week. Praise the Lord Jesus. Hebrews chapter 7, verse 24. Speaking of Jesus, it says, but he, because he continues forever, has an unchangeable priesthood. Therefore, he is also able to save. Everybody say to save. save. He is also able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him. Come on, he's not able to just Rescue you out of this big problematic world just by the skin of your teeth. No, he's able to save you to the uttermost. He's able to save you all the way. Any man that be in Christ is a new creation. Old things have passed away, and behold, everything has become new, and now everything is of God who has reconciled this to himself. I want a savior who can save to the uttermost. Come on, there's some things that we could look at. If he could just do this, if he could just do that, he's like, I could save you to the uttermost. I like somebody who can do something fully. You know, I have this 1978 uh, Ford Highboy. And so, you know, I I, I periodically mess with it a little bit and put it together and have some things done. So a number of years ago, they put um, a new intake manifold and dual exhaust on it. Man, that baby sound pretty. It it just, you sit behind it. You know, the straight pipes come out the back and it's like It's just awesome, it's great. And so I used to, you know, when you drive it, you can't hear it as well. You got to go through like a, a tunnel or something so that you can hear it, you know. So I opened that slider back window when I drive it just so I could hear a little bit. But, you know, uh, we were going to pick up some furniture for my daughter. And so we had to take two vehicles. And so I, I'm, uh, we're driving down I-70 and I'm behind that. And I'm just, I'm just sitting there going, man, that baby sounds good. And we're on I-70 and all of a sudden, this puff of smoke comes up. Poop. Poof! And there she is, that beautiful blue truck sitting alongside the road, smoking. So we have her towed back here. just sits in the garage. And so, you know, it has these nice intake manifolds, this dual exhaust, but there is no engine. So some people just really decided to bless me for Christmas one day. And they put uh, one Christmas, not just one day, but one Christmas. And they had somebody or a group of people put a brand new engine In that truck. When it sits down there, it looks like the same old engine. You might look like the same old person. But I'm just telling you, when they got done with that and I started it up, they saved that truck to the uttermost. Come on. They didn't just do another electrical. They didn't just put the, 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 the intake manifolds back on. I mean, they put the intake manifolds back on. They put a new engine in it. They put new oil in it. They put new spark plugs in it. They put everything in it, and that baby runs. And when you get behind it, it's like... I mean, it's it's running good. It sounds great. Come on, listen. You don't want a mechanic that can only work on a carburetor. You and you need a new engine. You want somebody who can do it to the uttermost and fix it. Jesus isn't just fixing one thing. He saved you to the uttermost. He took you might look the same on the outside, but he put a brand new engine on the inside of you. Praise God! Yes. And he knows how to work on the carburetor and the spark plugs. And the exhaust, come on, he'll get you exhausting the right stuff. Come on, on. is a lot better than wing, 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 (laughs) wing. Huh? Come on, some of us just have just a little bit going on here. (laughs) But when you got the life of God and He's saved to the uttermost, you're like, we're going somewhere. (laughs) <laughs> Come on. You're not misfiring every third day. Yes. But you're firing on all cylinders every single day because he got some new spark plugs. Yeah. He put a new pep to your step and a new glide to your stride. He's able to save to the uttermost. Yes. All right, I got to wrap it up. So <laughs> <laughs> We'll get to this week's message next week. All right. Romans chapter 10, Romans chapter 10, in verse 8, it says, but what does it say? The word is near you, it is in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach, that if you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord or the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You will be saved. If you stop for a moment and say, Jesus, be the master of my life. You be the master mechanic. I don't know how to fix this mess we've gotten into. Somebody put some stop leak in my radiator that filled up into my thermostat and clogged the flow. And lock my engine up. Come on. You got to a place where you were tired of leaking, and somebody put stop leak. But it wasn't the Holy Ghost. And it locked up your whole life. He said, I'll rebuild that. We'll get a flow. We'll keep you cool. We'll keep you running. Come on, He'll save your life if you let Him be the Lord of your life. He said, For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture says, Whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between the Jew or the Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich to all. Now listen to this. Rich to all who call upon him. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Let's just break this down for a second. What does the word saved mean? The word saved doesn't mean I I prayed a prayer and I get to go to heaven. This is what the word saved means. Many of you know this. It's a Greek word, sozo. It means to save, to deliver, to protect, to heal, to preserve, to do well, and to make whole. He's to save, to make whole, to heal, to be whole, to save, to keep safe and sound, to rescue from danger or destruction. Listen, when he saved you, he rescued you from the destroyer and the destruction that he had planned for your life. He is there to guard you and keep you safe through the journey. He is there to make you whole from everything that broke your life down. He's there to heal your body. He's there to make things well. Other translators have said that make well means to prosper. Come on, he didn't just save you from hell. He saved you to a whole life where you're healed and you're safe and you're ready to do everything that he's called you to do. So we're going to crack this nut open just a little bit next week, but I'm going to read tonight today and we'll break it down. There are seven redemptive names of God. See, when he shed his blood, he paid the price. He saved us from what? He saved us from the slavery of sin. He redeemed our life from destruction. That word redemption or redeemed means to ransom or to buy back. What Jesus' blood did is it purchased our life back to the intent that God had for us. Not to just live an ordinary kind of life like everybody else until we die, but an extraordinary life amongst everyone else. Uh, a life that's whole, that's fulfilling. A life that's healed in every aspect of it. A life that is protected and safe. say, so, well, listen, I've been a Christian, and I've had some stuff happen. We're going to go back to this, he who calls upon the name of the Lord. Sometimes we're just like, oh, Lord. calling on your name, we got some trouble. But when you really call on the name of the Lord, when we understand some things. So when he redeemed us prophetically through the Old Testament in saving and atoning for the people, he got seven, he has a whole lot of names, but he has seven redemptive names. When we break those down, I don't want you to miss. I want you to understand when we break those down, he's saying when you call On the name of the Lord, Jehovah Jireh, my provider. You're calling on the name of the one who purchased the avenue for your provision every day. That Jesus is your provider. He's not just the one that saves you from eternal separation. He's the one that purchased the things that you have need of for life. That he is your healer. Jehovah Rapha, that you're calling on him not just to heal you, but you're calling on the healer. Not random. See, there's so many multifaceted aspects of God, the depth, the breadth, the height, and length of his love. But there's also to who he is so many aspects. So let's, we'll get to this and we'll close. Jehovah Rohai, the Lord, my shepherd. Come on, when you're looking for guidance, he's your shepherd. Jehovah Jireh the Lord my provider. Jehovah Rapha, the Lord my healer. Jehovah Shalom, the Lord my peace. Jehovah Nisi, the Lord my banner. Jehovah Sidkenu, the Lord my righteousness. Jehovah Shama, the Lord is there for me. All these were names of the Lord. Why? Because when they... We're calling on the name of the Lord to be there for them. Or when they realize the Lord is there for me, they would call him by name. You are the Lord that is always there for me. If you feel like, where are you, God? But you know he redeemed your life so that he could be there with you. You begin to call on the name of the Lord. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved, healed, delivered, protected, made whole, preserved, kept safe, prospered. He saved you to the uttermost. He fixed your engine. Any man that be in Christ is a new creation. The outside looks the same. But the inside is brand new, is a new creation. Old things have passed away. All the stuff that was clogging the engine up, all the things that were creating the spark not to fire, the bad spark plugs, all those have been ripped out, and everything is brand new, brand new distributor. Some of you don't know what a distributor is, but brand new parts, brand new distributor, brand new spark plugs, brand new timing belt, brand new spark plugs, brand new carburetor, brand new. If I'm offending you by calling your heart an engine, please, I'm just trying to help us connect with something. Come on, all the inside is new. You might have some dings on the outside, but you're running just fine on the fuel of the Holy Spirit. Why don't you stand up? Father, we thank you, we praise you, we magnify you, and we glorify you. For you're worthy of praise, you're worthy of glory, you're worthy of honor. We thank you for saving us to the uttermost. I thank you that even right now, wherever there's something not working right, by your Holy Spirit, you're under the hood fixing stuff, making it right. You're ever working in us to willing to do of your good pleasure, transforming us that we might experience this salvation that gives us joy, inexpressible, that's full of the glory of God. Thank you for it. If you're here today, you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life. We've just shared with you today that he came and shed his blood... To